Hello and welcome to Bible 101. This is lesson number four. Before we get started, I'd like to take some time to pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to study the Word of God. We ask you to speak to us today, to give us understanding and revelation. Touch the ears of every hearer. Touch me and anoint me as I teach. In Jesus' name, amen. Last lesson, we talked about uh, Adam and Eve. and We talked about the fact that God only put one thing in front of that tree. It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that they were not supposed to eat. And we mentioned the fact that God put that tree because there because love is not love without a choice. And so in chapter 3, um, we mentioned the fact that God did not put an angel with a flaming sword in front of the tree, and he didn't put a fence around it. God only put one thing in front of that tree, and that was his word uh, to protect them from eating it. His word was the only thing. And so he gave them a word, a command, thou shalt not eat of this tree. And then he said, in the day ye eat thereof, you shall surely die. So he put his word in front of it, and he also gave them a punishment um, if they disobeyed that word. So the first things that the devil attacked was the word of God and the punishment. Uh, Yea, hath God said, questioning the word of God, you should not eat of every tree of the garden. And uh, when the woman responded, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Verse 4 of Genesis 3, And the serpent said, You shall not surely die. We mentioned the fact that he only added one word. God said, um, Thou shalt surely die. The devil said, Ye shall not surely die. And so we talked about the fact that one word makes a world of difference. Okay, and then we mentioned the fact that the devil told partial truth. He said, In the days that your eyes are open, you shall be as gods, knowing good uh, and evil. And it's true. When they ate of the fruit of the tree, uh, their eyes were opened. But with that opening of their eyes came shame. Uh, and caused them to want to cover their sin, and they hid themselves from God because sin always brings shame. It always makes you want to hide away from God. And then thirdly, we mentioned the fact that at the end of the chapter, when they ate of the fruit of the tree, um, that God had to cast them out of the garden. But he made them a promise, and he told them, uh, in the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. They didn't die physically that day. Now, there was a spiritual death, a, a separation between mankind and God. But um, they did not die physically that day. Instead, the Bible says that he clothed them with coats of skins. He killed an animal, and he clothed them with the skins of that animal. And so we, we mentioned the fact that uh, it's like God's justice that said, I got to kill them. They sinned. And then his love said, but I can't. They're my creation. And so the two collided and the result was mercy. And we mentioned the fact that mercy does not overlook sin. Mercy still has to, to punish sin because um, we mentioned the fact of that judge that was trying the young girl and, and the young girl had a penalty to pay and she was going to have to go to jail if she didn't pay uh, this fine. And the judge took off his robe, came down and paid the fine. And uh, the, what drove him to do that was the fact that he was the young girl's father. And uh, he realized that he couldn't just let her get by, because if she got by, that, that would be a corruption of justice. But instead, he showed her mercy. And uh, that's the same thing with God. He didn't let us get by for our sin. He killed an animal. He showed us that it was going to cost us something. He killed an animal. Blood still had to be shed. And so... This institutes animal sacrifice. When we get into chapter number four, we're going to find out that this instituted animal sacrifice. This set a precedent uh, for Adam and Eve. And I'm sure that once they had their, their children, which we're going to read about here in chapter four, that they told Cain and they told Abel about, uh, we, we thought we were goners. We thought we were going to die. But God took that, that, that 
animal and he he ripped the bloody coat off of it and he clothed us with the skin of that animal because he said the fig leaves wasn't good enough for a covering because mankind's covering for sin is never good enough um, without the shedding of blood is no remission of sins and so you can't cover your own sin you can't make penance enough for your sin uh, there's no price that you can pay that can pay for your sin only the shed blood of Jesus can pay for that sin and so um, he set a precedent with that animal sacrifice when he shed the blood of that animal. And so that's very important for us to understand. But also let me bring you back to what was said in Genesis 3 and 15 when God was cursing the serpent. Uh, now we know when he cursed the woman, he said, you're going to bring forth children, but it's going to be with sorrow. And then he said to the man, you're going to work by the sweat of your brow. Uh, but then when it came to uh, the serpent, God spoke to him and he said, on thy belly shalt thou go and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And then verse 15, uh, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It, it shall, talking about the seed of the woman, shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. And so the contrast here is uh, between a temporary wound and uh, a, a wound that is not temporary. The heel is a temporary wound. The head is not a temporary wound. It's a fatal wound. And so what he said is, uh, now Satan, it may look like you've won here today, but there's going to come a day that the seed of the woman is going to crush your head. Now you're going to bruise his heel. You're going to inflict a temporary wound upon the seed of the woman, but he's going to crush your head. And there's so many beautiful things here, but I just want to mention one point, is that now this sets an expectation upon the seed of the woman. Obviously, the devil's going to be sitting back and watching the seed of the woman. This is very important uh, for you to realize that the devil heard this prophecy as well as man and woman heard this prophecy. And so don't you know that the devil's going to do everything in his power to thwart the plan of God. He's always been opposed to God's plan and he always will be opposed to God's plan. So let's read in the book of Genesis chapter number 4 and verse 1. Genesis 4 and verse number 1. And Adam knew Eve his wife and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Uh, the word Cain means to acquire. She says, I have acquired. In other words, I have gotten a man. I have acquired a man from the Lord. And then verse number two, and she again bare his brother Abel. Okay. Now, uh, interestingly enough, the word Abel actually means breath or nothing. Um, okay. And it says, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Number, uh, verse number three, and in process of time. Now, that's very important. I want you to notice that. In process of time, literally actually means at the end of days, uh, days, plural. So some time had passed. This is important. I'm going to come back to this and we'll make a point later. And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. Okay, let's stop here long enough to talk about why did God favor the sacrifice of Cain over Abel? Why? Some people might answer, well, it appears that God's a respecter of persons. But the Bible says that God is not a respecter of persons. Let's look at what they brought. The Bible says Cain was a tiller of the ground. Abel was a keeper of sheep. So some might excuse what Cain brought as a sacrifice. to saying, well, he just brought of his profession. He was a tiller of the ground, and it says he brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. One problem with that. Back up in Genesis chapter number 3. 
And verse 17, And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. So the ground was cursed. And Cain took of the fruit of the ground, which God hath cursed, and he brought an offering unto the Lord. So that's point number one. Point number two uh, is that in Abel, he brought also of the firstlings of his flock. He brought a blood sacrifice. Remember how we opened this lesson and ended the last lesson with talking about the blood that was shed of that animal. God set the precedent. He showed that it was only the blood of an animal that could atone for sin. I've heard some people argue this point, and they said that, yes, but they weren't bringing a sin offering. They were just bringing some type of a thanksgiving offering. Okay, but here, I want to show you something. The fact that uh, I believe that God, uh, after what he did in that garden and shed the blood of the animal, that Adam and Eve told their children about uh, when you sin, there's a certain type of offering that you bring to the Lord. The Lord showed us that it had to be a blood sacrifice. And so notice that when Cain came, it does say in process of time. I wonder how many days Cain possibly. Now I'm just, maybe I'm getting a little bit outside of the word of God here, but I'm just giving you kind of a thought that maybe you can chew on or think about. Um, and it says in process of time, it came to pass. that Cain brought of the fruit of, an, of the ground and offering unto the Lord. I wonder how many days he did this. I wonder how many days he, he brought uh, of the fruit of the ground and offering unto the Lord. And, and, or if we can look at it this way, perhaps Cain before had brought blood sacrifices before the Lord day after day. But maybe there just came a day where he said, you know what? I'm a little tired of paying the price. I'm tired of going and trading some of my fruit with, for some of my brother's flock. I, I'm really tired of that. And so today I'm going to just bring what I want to bring to God. Notice the defiance in Cain. Notice his attitude. God, I'm going to bring what I want to bring, and you just have to accept it. Now, notice what Abel does. There's three things I want to point out about Abel's sacrifice. The verse number four of Genesis chapter four. And Abel, he brought of the firstlings. That's a very key word right there. The firstlings of his flock. The firstlings, okay? Um, it means the firstling of man or beast. It's uh, talking about the firstborn, the firstborn. If I can put it this way, he brought the very best. He brought uh, that which was off the top. He brought the best, the firstlings of his flock. Now, this is going to show us the principle of tithing later on in the Bible. But I also want to point out a few uh, little facts here about this is that Abel noticed his attitude difference from Cain. You see, Cain just said, well, God, I'm going to bring what I want to bring, and you got to like it. But when it came time for Abel, he said, God, you're worthy of my very best. I'm going to bring you the very best that I could possibly bring. And so Abel brings the firstlings, his very best of the flock. That's the second thing. So the first thing is that it was his best. It was the firstlings. Secondly, it was of his flock. It was a blood sacrifice. Remember I said without the shedding of blood is no remission of sins. Blood's got to be shed. When sin is committed, something has to die. Uh, I mentioned in the last lesson, the soul that sinneth it shall die. And then uh, later on, we're told in the Bible, the wages of sin is death. That's Romans 6.23. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the wages of sin brings death. And Abel understood it's got to be a blood sacrifice. Blood had to be shed. And then he says, and the third thing I want to point out is 
Uh, it says he brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. Well, when the law was going to be instituted, the law of Moses, one of the things they had to bring was of the fat thereof. So notice he, he brings three things here. It's, it's number one, it's the firstlings of his flock. Number two, it's a blood sacrifice. And number three, he brought of the fat thereof. All three things which were going to be required uh, in specific sacrifices in the law. How did he know to do that? Well, there's a scripture I want to read to you. Let's go to the book of Hebrews. That's in the New Testament, the book of Hebrews. And I want to show you how Abel knew to bring that type of a sacrifice to the Lord. Let's go to the book of Hebrews, which comes right uh, after the book of Philemon, right before the book of James in the New Testament, closer to the back of the Bible. So let's go to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 11. This is known as the faith chapter, the hall of faith, as we call it. Hebrews 11 and 4. By faith. Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. Guess what? The type of sacrifice he brought showed the condition of his heart. It's the same thing today. If you just say, well, you know what? Um, I know I didn't pray today, but uh, I just didn't have time. And you put everything else in front of God. That shows the condition of your heart. If you really care about God, and you really love God, and you care about what God thinks, you're going to put Him first. You see, the type of sacrifice that Abel brought showed the condition of his heart. His sacrifice showed that his heart was righteous. Okay, By which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. But I want to show you that by faith, Abel offered unto God. Now, what is faith? Faith is taking God at his word. Faith, I'm going to say that again, faith is taking God at his word. Just believing him. Just because God said it, I believe it. That's faith. That's the kind of attitude that Abel had. When his parents told him uh, God is the one that showed us how to atone for sin, he killed the animal. Abel said, I believe it. I'm going to do it. But Cain said, you know what? I don't really care what God did. I'm going to do it my way. And you see, that's the attitude of some of the churches in our modern time. They don't care what the Bible says. They're going to do it their way. They don't care that the Bible calls something a sin. They're still going to do it their way. They don't care that the Bible says to, uh, to do certain things. They're going to do it their way. And it's that defiant attitude of Cain. Picture Cain in your mind. He's stubborn. He's hard-headed. Whereas Abel is soft-hearted. He's, he's tender-hearted toward the Lord. And notice, by faith, how did he know how to bring the firstlings of his flock? Even if it was a blood sacrifice, how did he know to bring the firstlings of his flock? How did he know to bring the fat thereof? If I could just present it to this, uh, to present it kind of like this, it was by faith. In other words, if I could put it this way, he had a relationship with God. Um, let me use this illustration. I'm a married man, and I know what pleases my wife and what upsets my wife. I know what pleases her. I know what upsets her. Um, I know if I go and buy her some flowers, she'll be pleased with that. I know there's certain things she doesn't like. My wife does not like pizza. I wouldn't go get my wife a pizza. She wouldn't like that. 
Why? How do I know that? Because I know her. I have a relationship with her. It's the same thing with Abel and Cain. It's almost as if the two are set up in contrast because on the one hand, Abel knows his God. He walks with his God. He has a relationship with God. And Cain, on the other hand, doesn't really have a relationship. To him, it's just a bunch of rules and restrictions. So that's why when he comes to God, he says, ah, I'll just bring a few little uh, pieces from the ground and just kind of throw it up there on the... Well, here, God, here you go. Accept it. Whereas Abel said, God, I love you, and I, I, I know what you like, and I want to bring you what you like. I want to bring my very best, okay? So let's go back to verse number 5. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. Verse 6, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, Sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Now, there's several things I want to point out about this. When God didn't accept the sacrifice of Cain, you know what Cain could have done? Cain could have said, well, I messed up today, but I'll do better tomorrow. I'll, I'll bring the right kind of sacrifice tomorrow. I'm sorry, God. I learned my lesson. I admit it. I was wrong. But what happened to his parents, Adam and Eve, in the garden? When they messed up, God gave them the opportunity to repent. He asked Adam, Hast thou eaten of the tree which I commanded thee not to eat from? He said, The woman. He blamed the woman. Well, here's Cain, on the other hand. Um, when God doesn't have respect for his offering, he gets mad. Instead of repenting and asking God to forgive him, he gets mad. And it's the same thing today that so many people do. Uh, God doesn't accept what they give. You know, they, they want to give God uh, their scraps. I like what one man said. One man said it this way. He said, uh, you know, if you take God and you flip it around, God is spelled G-O-D, flip it around. It spells D-O-G. And he said, that's how a lot of people want to treat God. They want to bring him their scraps. Here, doggy, doggy, here, accept my scraps. I'm going to tell you something. God's never going to accept your scraps. It's your best or it's nothing. God accepts only your very best. You've got to bring your best to God. And so here's what he said. Uh, the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? He said, If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. God is trying to reason with Cain. So many people think of God as this great big ogre in the sky that sits up there ready to pounce on you as soon as you make a mistake. But that's not the case. That's just not the case. Um, God here is trying to reason with Cain. He's trying to reason with him. He's trying to tell him, Cain, if you just do what's right, I'll accept it. I like to draw your attention to the book of Isaiah, chapter 1, and verse 18. You don't have to take time to turn there, but I'm going to read it. And perhaps you can look it up and read it in your own time. Come now. This is God speaking. And let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. 
So notice, God is not this ogre in the sky. He's trying to reason with mankind. And here he's trying to reason with Cain. Cain, if you just bring the right kind of sacrifice, I'll accept that sacrifice. But then he warns him, he said, but if you don't do well, Cain, he said, sin lies at the door. If I could put it this way, it's like God's watching to see what Cain's going to do and the devil's sitting back watching it. You know why? Because the devil remembered that promise about the seed of the woman and he's looking to pounce on that son because he thinks, well, maybe it's Cain that's going to be that, that promised child and, and, and maybe it's Abel. And so uh, notice what the devil does. He, he thinks, uh, you know, if I can corrupt this child, then I can defile the promise. I can mess the promise up because you see, the devil can't read God's mind. He knew of the prophecy. He just didn't know how it was going to be fulfilled. And so notice what it says here. God, God said, and if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And uh, some people have brought out the fact that this word sin uh, is actually uh, the name of a demon uh, or a type of a name of a demon. And they mention the fact that it's like a demon's hovering at the door. So it's like the devil's sitting there watching to see what kind of an attitude Cain's going to walk away with after God reasons with him. The devil's sitting back trying to watch. What is Cain going to do? What is Cain going to do? And if Cain was still going to be mad, and if Cain was going to walk out with the wrong attitude, guess what? The devil was going to pounce at him. Notice what it says. Uh, if thou doest not well, sin lieth. That word lieth, it means to crouch. Sin cr is crouching at your door, Cain. And so when he walked out with a mad attitude, don't you know the devil jumped on that? And then let's read with verse number 8. Genesis 4 and verse number 8. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. He slew him, okay? And said, so verse number 9, And the Lord said unto Cain, notice this again. Remember how I pointed out in the last lesson, when God spoke to mankind, it was always with a question. Adam, where art thou? Uh, who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the fruit of the tree, which I told thee that thou shouldst not eat from? When Adam said, the woman whom thou gavest, he looks at the woman and he says, what is this that thou hast done? Always with a question. Notice how God speaks here. Uh, earlier, we read several questions. He asked Cain, why art thou wroth? Why has thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? Question mark. Okay, now notice what he says here. He says in verse 9, where is Abel thy brother? Another question. And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Can I just say it this way? That what you do in moderation, parents, your children will do in excess. Adam and Eve, when God confronted them with a question, did you eat? Adam blamed the woman. The woman blamed the serpent rather than taking responsibility for their actions. I've often wondered how different that story would be if they had just confessed their sin. But because they refused to confess, guess what? Uh, later on down the road, their son did in excess what they did in moderation. Instead of blaming somebody else, he just outright denied it. When God said, where is Abel thy brother? He said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Watch how God responds. Verse 10. And he said, what is this that thou hast done? Or what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Now, there's a lot I could say about this, but uh, the New Testament, we read it earlier in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, and I believe it's verse 4. Uh, he said, Howbeit he being dead, talking about Abel, yet speaketh. His blood was crying out to God from the ground. You know, when you attack another human being, you're really attacking God. Who was Cain mad at? 
He was mad at God. God was the one that did not accept his sacrifice. Abel had nothing to do with that. Why then did Cain turn on his brother Abel? Because he couldn't attack God. He went after his brother Abel. Isn't it interesting how the devil put in his heart to attack his brother? Isn't that interesting? Notice, and you might say, well, prove that point to me. All right, in the New Testament, the book of Acts, chapter number 9, we're told about a man by the name of Saul who was persecuting the church. He was killing Christians. And when the Lord meets him on the road to Damascus, he knocks him down off of his beast, and he shines a bright light from heaven. He says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Now, technically, Saul wasn't persecuting uh, Jesus himself. He wasn't putting Jesus in prison, but he was attacking the Christians. But what, when he was attacking the Christians, Jesus said, you're attacking me, Saul. You're coming against me, Saul. And it's the same thing. When Cain attacked his brother Abel, he really attacked God. And now, notice this. Verse 11. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground. Now notice, he had probably tried to hide his brother's body in the earth. So the reason God asked him, where is Abel, thy brother? If he hadn't taken time to, to, to hide him, it would have been very easy to find. But I'm sure he covered it up, just like his parents tried to cover their sin with fig leaves. I'm sure that Cain tried to cover his brother up under the ground. But God knew. And he said, what is this thou hast done? Okay, uh, he says, uh, The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Verse 11, And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. Now I'm going to come back to this verse because uh, the word fugitive and a vagabond, it's talking about somebody that wouldn't really ever have a home. They would be a wanderer. Okay, but it's speaking about more than just the physical aspect here. Because verse number 13, notice what Cain says. If you want to find out what verse 12 means, just keep reading. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth. Watch this. And from thy face shall I be hid. That's what it meant to be a vagabond and a fugitive. He understood it. Cain understood what God meant. He knew he was going to forever walk out of the presence of the Lord. And we'll read that proof of that here in just a moment. He says, And from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. Verse 16 is one of the saddest verses in the entire Bible. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. Remember what I said what his parents did in moderation, Cain did in excess. Sin always brings separation. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, God threw them out of the garden. There was a separation. But notice with each sin, and the worse that the sin gets, the greater the separation becomes. It says Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. Uh, one thing I think about is in the New Testament, Psalm 139, it says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit, and whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend into the heavens, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. In other words, saying, I can't escape God. God is everywhere. God's omnipresent. But 
there is a place where God is not, where God withdraws his presence. And this is so sad. Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod. That word Nod means wandering. Cain would live a life of wandering. He would be like a homeless person. He would have no home. Uh, he, he would be, in other words, a restless wanderer. Just a wanderer. Just a restless wanderer. Somebody that would constantly wander through life without a purpose. Let me tell you here today that if you're going to try to live without God, you're going to constantly be a wanderer. You're not going to ever have a purpose in life. You're going to keep, uh, it's kind of like a dog chasing his tail. It's just a menial task. It's, it's, it's tedious and it doesn't yield any, anything, any fruit, anything good. And so it's like Cain. Cain could try to do whatever he wanted to do, but no matter what he did, it wasn't going to succeed. Why? Because he went out from the presence of the Lord and he dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Wouldn't it be sad to be just east of Eden? That place of paradise where your parents used to dwell with God and you're just east of Eden. Can I speak to somebody here today that maybe you used to try to live for God and you've backslidden from God? Let me tell you something. You're living east of Eden. All you've got to do is look to the east. Your answer's in the east. You may only live a few blocks from the church. Your answer's in the east. Wouldn't it be sad to live the life of Cain and be just east of Eden? And so, another thing I want to point out here. The Lord told Cain, let's back up to verse number 12. Now, remember the curse that was on Adam. When Adam sinned, the Lord said, Cursed is the ground for thy sake. He said, It shall not. It says, uh, Basically, you're going to, by the sweat of your brow, you're going to have to work for a living. Thorns and thistles will, will it uh, bring up. And but, but notice, when Cain did the worst sin than his parents, he killed his brother. Uh, verse number 12, when God told him this, he intensified that curse upon the ground. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. That's a greater punishment than what was on Adam because he didn't say that it wouldn't yield to Adam. He just said it would take hard work. But here he said, it's not going to yield to you, Cain. No matter what you do in life, you're not going to get that ground to yield. Your labor will be fruitless. Let me just tell you here today, if you're trying to live without God, your labor's fruitless. You can try to go and you can make a million dollars. You can make all kinds of money, but your labor is going to be fruitless. Why? Because only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Cain went out from the presence of the Lord, verse 16, and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Verse 17, and Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch. And he built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. Okay, we're going to skip through here a little bit, and I'm going to close by ending chapter 4. And unto Enoch was born Irid, and Irid begat Mahujiel, and Mahujiel begat Methusiel, and Methusiel begat Lamech. Now, these are interesting names. Notice the name Enoch. No, but notice the name Lamech. We're going to come back to that here in a moment. So, we have King. His son is Enoch. Okay, Enoch has a son and names him Irid. Okay, Irid begets, begets uh, Mahujiel. Mahujiel begats Methusiel, and Methusiel begat Lamech. Now remember what I said. What you do in moderation, your children will do in excess. Verse 19, chapter 4. And Lamech took unto him two wives. The first uh, man that married more than one wife was in the line of Cain. That's very interesting. And Lamech took unto him two wives. The name of the one was Ada, and the name of the other was Zillah. 
And Ada bare Jabal. He was the father of such as dwell in tents, and of such as have cattle. And his brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all such as handle the harp and organ. And Zillah, she also bare Tubal-Cain, an instructor of every artificer of in brass and iron. And the sister of Tubal-Cain was Naamah. Now verse 23. And we're going to close with this. And Lamech said unto his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. Hearken unto my speech, for I have slain, killed, in other words, a man to my wounding and a young man to my hurt. Now, what Cain did in moderation? One of his future sons, down through the line, Lamech did in excess. Cain killed one man, his brother. Lamech killed two. And now watch this. Watch how messed up the line of Cain really gets. Verse 24. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech seventy and sevenfold. Lamech viewed the curse of God as a blessing. Because that mark that was set upon Cain was not a blessing. It was a curse. He would forever be marked by God as a cursed individual. Reserved for God's punishment. Because the punishment of man was too good for him. You see, because if somebody would have came and just killed Cain, he could have put him out of his misery. But Cain had to live a lifetime of wandering. And then look at this. Lamech views the curse of God as a blessing. He said, if Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech, seventy and sevenfold, as if it's something great that he's killed two people instead of one. But then, a beautiful verse of Scripture. Now, Adam and Eve... They get a lot of uh, criticism, and rightfully so. They were the first man and woman that sinned. And so, when they're kicked out of the garden, they have two children. One of them's killed, and the other turns wicked. They could have just sat back and said, Man, we have messed up bad. We got kicked out of the garden because of our sin. And one of our boys is a murderer, and the other one's dead. Let's just give up on life. But no. Verse 25. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son, and called his name Seth. The word Seth means substitute. For God, said she, hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. Now, I want to point something out here quickly. Remember the promise. When God spoke to the serpent, the seed of the woman would crush the head of the devil. That promise was not forgotten by God. It may seem to have been dead. It seemed like the devil won. The devil got Adam and Eve kicked out of the garden by, by deceiving the woman. And of course, they fell. They were responsible for their actions. But then the devil sat back and he said, Man, it looks like I've won, but God promised. No, the seed of the woman's going to crush your head. But then when the seed of the woman's born, Cain and Abel, the devil perverts one and the other he kills through Cain. And so we look at this. They have another son. And guess what? Through the seed of Seth was going to come Jesus Christ. Thank God Adam and Eve didn't give up. Let me speak to somebody here today. Maybe I'm talking to somebody that used to serve God a long time ago. Maybe you said, I just can't live for God. I just can't live that lifestyle. I just can't do it. But it's so important that when you fall, you got to get up again. Very famous man said, never, never, never give up. Can I say that to somebody here today? Don't ever give up. Just because you've fallen today doesn't mean you can't get up tomorrow. Don't give up. Get up. Verse 26, And to Seth, to him also, there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then began man to call upon the name of the Lord. With the birth of Seth, 
in Enos, there was hope. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this beautiful lesson that we've been able to study here today. God, I'm asking that you would speak to the ears of every hearer. Lord, speak to their heart. I mean, and God, touch their spirit today. Help them to remember this lesson. Help us not to give up when we fall, but to surrender to you, not to be stubborn like Cain and refuse to, to give what God accepts. To say, God, I want to give the very best that I have to give to you. I want to serve you all the days of my life. We give you praise in Jesus' name.